This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. And this is Trav. Welcome again to the TriTac Games Podcast, the podcast of exploring the strange worlds of TriTac Games and gaming in general. This week we are continuing our discussion of hardware hinterland beginning campaigns and issues involved in bringing characters into a campaign where you don't have a lot of experience with the game world. Yeah. Last week, I laid out what I thought was a good sample campaign for beginning players, where they could start off really not knowing a whole lot and then follow through a bunch of the locations that were near the starting point suggested by the book itself until you got to the end of a story arc. Yeah. And that's what we mostly talked about. This week, we're going to turn it over to John, who has his ideas about some campaign issues and some campaign suggestions. Yeah. And we might, at that point, sp- uh, make it a little bit broader and talk about how do you bring in more advanced characters into a campaign that's just starting. Yeah, but before we get too far, we do have some feedback from our iTunes uh, site to go over. Friends of mine who, who listen to the show... Oh. We can't seem to get other people to write <laughs> reviews, so I told them they, they actually listen to it. They actually really like it. I said, well, give us a review, so I strong-armed them into it. But it's reviews anyway. I mean, you know, these are, and the first one's from uh, James Carpio. Is that correct? Yep. A lot of great information is its title, and it gives us five stars. Thanks, James. I just started listening to the episode 36, Adventuring in the Past, Europe. And I was blown away at the amount of research that went into their show. I have never played a, the Fringe of the RPG, but the info I t- took away from listening was pure gold. I have now added them to my subscription list and look forward to listening to more of, of a very well-thought-out show. Thank you, James. Yes, very nice. Wow. Yeah. And next one's from Dark Force Prime. I guess he's into, what, Star Trek? Uh, he's into all kinds of stuff. That's Jay Libby. Uh, hi, Jay. Uh, his is killer with five stars. I'm a real podcast hater, but even I enjoyed the fresh fun that Tritech puts into their podcasts. <laughs> Not only do you get insight into Fringeworthy, but you also get other helpful information when it comes to running just about any cross-dimensional RPG. Highly recommended. Thank you, Dark Force. It was tough getting him to listen to the podcast because he's like, oh, I don't like podcasts. And I was like, well, just listen to it. <laughs> he was really, really impressed. He's actually trying to talk me into helping him get his podcast started. Hey, everybody, if you're listening to this and you like the show, please, 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 please go to iTunes and leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the higher up the, le- higher up the chain we move. And if we can get on that first page, um, we can get a lot of exposure and we might actually get a bunch of more listeners. Please, leave a review. Yes. And also, if you want to purchase any of these games, go to www.tritechgames.com. And there you can order any of these games on on CD and in the PDF format. 
they're all reasonably priced, uh, especially in this this day and age of high priced games. Uh, I recently plunked down fifty dollars for a game recently, <laughs> but uh, they're reasonably priced and they're all fun to play. Blake, see if your friend actually uh, needs some help getting started with his podcast. I have at least two how to start your podcast MP3s I can send his way. Podcasting for Dummies has got a lot of good information in it too. <laughs> So, John, you had some ideas about Hardwired Hinterland? Because I was going looking at, you know, brand new people who've never played in the Hinterland before. In fact, most of my folks have only played in, like, either one or two Bureau 13 games I've run here. Definitely doing a uh, Day Zero campaign where we start on Earth and then we go to the Hinterland and take it from there. It's... So you're you're talking about the tour bus getting grabbed scenario? Yes, and my original thoughts for that one until I actually had some uh, had some talks with other folks was in the area where I live. There's actually a fairly big wine industry, so it's a perfect place for people to get together who don't know each other. It'll be pretty sloshed by the time this, the accident happens. So my thought would have been allow one of the players be the be the driver. I actually know a uh, bus a guy who actually does tour buses. He has a regular job, but on the weekends he does tour buses. Just like it says in the book, you you create regular characters and then, bang, there you are in the drink, being rescued uh, by this guy who looks like a Viking and two twins, thrown together because they just happen to be on the same bus in the hardware hinterland. Uh, there are some things you, have, you would have to cover. The first is that the realization that you're not going home. There's no way to get home. There is no one has no one has ever been recorded of getting back to Earth. Uh, the fact is, some, I would say there's some evidence based on, on all the various environs that these people are being pulled from different Earths. You know, alternate versions. You know, I mean, look at Magic Cost. Look at Noram. Those are two different Earths, literally. Uh, but the other thing you get run into is, is that is homesickness. I mean, I've been stationed. I was stationed overseas for two years when I was in the service, and yeah, after the first month, you get a little homesick for you know back home because no one here speaks the language. Things are different. It's weird. You really want to go someplace just be able to walk into McDonald's and get a Big Mac. Are you suggesting, John, that part of, of a campaign de, mm -hmm. uh, design would be yep. letting all the characters know where all of these homey type things are? Where's the uh, McDonald's? Where's the Library of Modern oh, yeah. Art? Oh, yeah. I uh, mean, on various Everons, so that when they do get homesick, they'll actually have a reason to go there? In 50s Detroit, there's McDonald's. In fact, it's a 50s McDonald's with the golden arches and everything, you know, the old style. Someone may even have started up and got running again. You never know. The first month, it's going to be kind of hard, both emotionally and physically. One of the first things you realize is that anyone like me with extensive dental work will be spitting fillings the first week. And I'll be looking for an orthodontist to remove my implants because my teeth are growing back. Ow. 
Yeah, and of course, when I say your teeth grow back, that includes your wisdom teeth. Oh, oh, I had six taken out. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, two of mine were impacted, two came in straight. So the two that came in straight are going to be okay. So the two in my lower jaw that came in sideways, that's going to be a problem. That I would need to see an orthodontist to make sure that my teeth are in the right position when they finally do grow back. Otherwise, I have impacted wisdom teeth for the rest of my life. Well, in my particular case, my teeth are bigger than my jaw would support. Ooh. I'm not quite sure what would happen. I mean, maybe they could expand my jaw, make my, make my lower jaw a little bigger than it was before. It's possible. I've literally had a dozen teeth pulled out of my mouth. I have a big old scar here on my arm. I broke my elbow in, in three pieces on my left elbow. Oh. Put together with uh, plates and a six-inch titanium bolt. Guess what's coming out, whether I want to or not. Bone's going to regrow. My arm will actually absorb the scar tissue and work normally again. But unless you're playing a character who has uh, an extensive ba character background creation system, they've yeah. gone through it, yeah. this actually won't actually come up. I can see the teeth yes. where you could say, hey, everyone, everyone's got cavities, everybody's got something. At the very least, you got wisdom teeth. Oh, and your tonsils and your adenoids, they come back too. Right. Ugh. Appendix? Appendix comes back. Oh, and by the way, Trav, certain operations get undone. Crap. <laughs> yeah. wait, 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 wait. What about breast implants? I don't have to worry about that, thanks. Well, unless they remove material, no, there'd be, there'd be no problem. Breast reduction, however, gets undone. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> So, wait a minute. So, like, if you had liposuction? No, no. Liposuction's not going to change. Because all those fat cells came after the fact. Your body produces those fat cells just out of normal connective tissue. And that's still there. Yeah. Okay. But a lot of things get undone. If you're transgendered, you're going back to where you were before. Oh, man. If you have metal plates in your head from an accident, hey, they're coming out, too. A hair transplant. If I went to 24 years old, I have a head of hair. It reverts you back to 25 again? It depends on how old you are when you go through. Yes. I think the oldest anybody is is like 35 to 40. Yeah. I was just... After the rejuvenation. I, I already like this place. However, I know people when I was in college who were almost bald, and they were in their literally like 20 to, to 25 years old. Yeah. Right. Well, actually, their hair still, might still work if it was stapled in or something. If you had a heart transplant... I'm looking at this thing, it would kill you if it tried to reject your heart. So I'm thinking it's it's probably smart enough to realize, okay, can't get rid of the heart. Can't get rid of kidneys. Grow your heart into the other heart until eventually you have your heart, original heart, back in place. But it's fixed. One of the things that the hinterland does is it fixes birth defects. So if you're born with spina bifida, it's fixed. You're born with a cleft palate, it's fixed. You bore, If you were born blind... You can see now. Yeah, it says drop-ins show a phenomena of regeneration that lasts up to D10 months. This is going to be gradual. Yeah. Your body can't accept those changes that rapidly. You would probably go into system shock. Yeah. So your body has to slowly go through regenerating optic nerves, oral nerves, heart mm. tissue, nerve yeah. tissue. Growing new eyes in case if the eyes themselves were defective. You yeah, know. You know, and, and also, if you had any interesting scars, they're probably all gone. I'm not uh, sure about tattoos, however. I think tattoos probably would not go, 
unless there was some scarring, and the scarring would go. So if you actually have scar, you have the scar tattoos that's kind of popular with some folks. I mean, scarification. Scarification, it probably goes away. Yeah. 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 All those holes you punched in your body will fill in. Yeah. If you split your tongue, it's going to it's gonna fuse back together again. Yeah. The aging chart here, it says if you're 86 or older, you regenerate back to 45. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go back to 30. I was partly bald, and I had a, um, I call it the big boy tough. It's right on top of my forehead, which I'd hate. Yeah, I think all of us would go back to 30. Yeah. <laughs> You're also going through the emotional problems as well of, okay, we can't get back home. No, you can't get back home. No, you can't get back home. No one has. And because I can always guarantee that'll be one, at least one or two players' goal is to find a way to get back home. Why should every character be single? That's right. And even yeah. if you're single, why should them never have been married and have children that they might not want to go back to? What about their dog? What about the four hundred one k that they've been putting money into? Who's gonna get? Who's gonna take care of that? And their friends. I mean, I would imagine that one thing you know is among among everyone in Hinterland, if they're in a vehicle or they're just walking along, occasionally they make a sharp left turn with their eyes closed, and then they open up and they go ah, sigh, turn around, and keep on walking normal again. They're all trying to get back home. The problem I see is character buy-in for this. I mean, you're asking people basically to say, okay, screw over my character, make it hard for me, rather than just saying, hey, I'm in a whole new world, great, let's go on. Well, I, I'd leave it up to the characters to decide if they really want to go with the emotional route or just say, well, new world, no worries, bye. And they'd all have to do it, otherwise everybody else would be sitting bored around the table. Especially for your one-shot, you were talking about the group that, that likes to do one-shots. Yeah, they're pretty much going to skip over all this because that's no fun yes. for one shot. Yeah, for one shot. In fact, when I did my uh, my one shot, everyone there had been there for at least ten years. If you give them a reward, yes, this could be good. I would say that you'd have to pick a game system that does reward you for this. For example, fate things that you write about yourselves by saying that you went through this and had mm -hmm. to deal with this will give you tons and tons of those plot points or bennies or whatever they're called aspects it gives you aspects and the aspects can be then used later on in situations so you'd have to use a game system that would really reward you for this but but even on a one shot like you guys are gonna get together on a saturday and you're gonna play for like six hours and that's it you're never gonna play the characters again well it just depends on how long you're gonna do it i mean i think if you could condense this and and just focus on this for maybe an hour Upon yeah. just getting the characters as part of the character creation and getting to know your own character. Right. Yeah. Because most people take about a half hour or more to get used to their characters anyways. So if yeah. you could use this time mm -hmm. to effectively build in the backstory and reward the characters by giving them the bennies or whatever, then they're they're starting off the next hour with a big bonus and ways of, of really hooking into their character for the rest of the session. If you're talking fate, the first hour is going to be creating your character. You actually, fate has a system for creating characters and linking them together. And we have aspects that we share in common. Yeah, but is, is there something like that for Hardwire Hinterland? Do they actually have that in there? It's not in the game book, but because the game was written to be system neutral, if you choose fate, then that would be something that would be part of the character generation process. Use Savage Worlds. Well, that means there's some hindrances uh, you can't use. Lame, for one. It goes away. Blind goes away. 
But there's no cure for stupid. There's no cure for stupid. That's right. You can't fix stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But any of, the, any of the physical hindrances, you basically, Geo just would have to tell them, you could take them for building your character. They're all, but they are, you know, there's going to be more color. You're not going to get any points for them. So don't even bother taking them. D20 has something like that. Crypto Snark Games puts it out. It's called um, uh, something in drawbacks. But basically, you get like extra skill points or extra feats for taking physical and mental mental disabilities. In this yep. game, yep, bye bye You can just say that, you know, in that case, it would be like, well, you had them, you, you end up making the characters in a day zero campaign such as yours, yeah. and you just say, okay, until this point, you're not using stats per se, you go through what it is, and then in time, you have the character sheet as per the younger self. So right. You could still use those building point ideas and take mental disadvantages like introvert, possibly uh, stutterer, uh, night terrors. I mean, I don't know what they offer, but I'm saying is it because of the psychological trauma of being set adrift from everything that you know, you could easily justify those kinds of disabilities. Yeah, just switch out physical for mental, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, quirks. If they're lucky, they get some good good salvage. If they're quick, they can actually salvage some uh, wine that they may have bought on the trip. And that wine goes for like a $200 a bottle on the hinterland. And that $200 in the hinterland is a lot of money. We're talking, the prices are, I would call, 1920 prices in terms of living in the hinterland, 1920s, 1930s prices for things. So $200 is like uh, 2000 Heck of a lot of money. But unless you get a job doing something, and this is the kicker for getting, finding a way to get them to, to, to actually travel and venture, you're going to end up living off your savings for the next three or four months, probably spending a good portion of it on like medical stuff for things like you said, you know, fixing your teeth as they grow back. So you are going to be looking at the fact that you probably will be, you know, spending a good portion of your chunk of, of your savings on, well, taking care of yourself over the next couple of months. I mean, after the orientation, you're pretty much on your own. This is, in some ways, the, the hinterland's a bit of a libertarian uh, dream. It also could be a libertarian nightmare as well, if, <laughs> in various ways. There right. is a government, but the government's very, very minimal. Yeah, only those who work eat. Yeah, the one thing that is always in the short supply in the hinterland is skills. If you're a glass blower, no one makes bottles. They only find bottles. If you're a glass blower, you know how to do everything from gathering the, the raw materials to making bottles. You now have a trade for life. I almost recommend to every player, don't have those skills. Because you end up staying in one place for a very long time because you, you have a perfect excuse for not wanting to adventure and go out and travel. So I would suggest not actually making a character who's very skillful in something, but making an average Joe average character who has skills that you actually don't apply <laughs> to the hinterland as it is. That way you have more reasons for adventuring and going out there and doing things. I mean, one thing you may want to consider as a job, in fact, I think it's probably the best one to choose, is to be a scavenger or a salvage person and get into salvage. Or a pilot. Or a pilot. Well, if you don't want to fly. <laughs> who's not going to fly? It's the hinterland. Of the people I know who um, who would probably go on a wine tour, one might actually know how to fly. But for the most part, nope, 
I mean, you'd have to go to school. They would have to go to school, and that's another expense, which means you need to get a day job to pay for that flight school. One of the best jobs you can get that makes you a lot of money if you find good finds is salvage. Going into the unexplored portions of a big town, you'll find lots of good salvage. If you can find a Dunkin' Donuts, all the coffee in the Dunkin' Donuts, $50 a pound for Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And for those of our audience who are not quite familiar (laughs) with what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. uh, there are a number of creatures in the hinterland Mm -hmm. that seem at random to build structures that are from one world or another. And so it's quite possible for you to be walking through the woods and go over a rise and see a Dunkin' Donuts store in pristine condition, fully stocked, sitting right there in the middle of the woods, which is good salvage. (laughs) Oh, yeah. When I ran ran my one-shot, the players found a Tim Hortons. A what? In almost Canada. I have no idea. A Tim Hortons. Uh, Oh, uh, well, yeah, you're from down south. You don't know nothing about that. I'm sorry, I'm from Pittsburgh also. We don't have those there either. Uh, it's like coffee and donuts and sandwiches. It's a Canadian chain that's recently emigrated into the Detroit area. We have them here. Okay. Yeah, it's basically uh, Dunkin' Donuts yeah. with sandwiches, you know, when it comes right down to it. And it was completely stocked, pristine. It was cherry, as he would say. One thing you, you start learning if you're doing salvage, you don't spend any time there. You spend just enough time to gather the most valuable stuff there, which was the coffee. 10-pound bags of coffee in that Tim Hortons at $50 a pound. You can work out how much money, how much money there was, was there for those guys. Oh, I was saying other career choices that they have is uh, besides pilot and salvage, Hinterpol, the universal police agency dedicated to peace. It's a hard job keeping law and order working across environs. You either fly or there's the Hinterpol, there's the, the regular Hinterpol flights from place to place. So you get, So you can always catch uh, the military equivalent would be MAC, a military air transport, yeah. military air corps, and uh, and catching a MAC flight to anywhere. So with Hinterpol, this probably the Hinter MAC. But I mean, you could sit there and yeah. for characters, if you wanted to do combat-oriented characters, that would be a good thing for them. And I mean, obviously, they would have um, yeah. non-combat positions. I mean, other. Uh, oh, let's yeah. see, doctor, engineer, salvage, pilot would all you could have those. Within Hinterpol, so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and like I said, salvage is a good one because it doesn't require much skill; just to be able to find things. As we mentioned when doing the Bruce's portion of this, there is Butcher Boy Blackwell. Yeah, one of the things he's got his fingers into is the salvage trade because there's a lot of good stuff in there that makes a, a decent price in the black market. So yeah, they tend to lean on the very salvage markets, and they try to well, basically try to get those items that are really rare and, you know, get a cut of that, get, get John, basically get a cut. John, what is sold on the black market? You, you just said that New Akron is pretty much of a... Most of the drugs out there are pretty much prohibited by Hinderpol and various things. So, yeah, if you find a cache of shrooms or a shroom, a shroom ring. Hinterland shrooms are about the equivalent of magic potions in most fantasy games. Ooh, do tell. <laughs> They have ones that will raise your stats, whatever they may be. Some of them will give you limited telepathy and other type of psionic powers. Yeah. So, so kind of like, uh, you ever play a game called Rise of the Triads? No. It, it was a video game. It was, it was a first-person shooter, much like Wolfenstein or, or, or Doom. And they had these mushrooms 
the, you know, basically if you ate them, then the screen would wobble all over the place and it'd be hard to like walk because as you're walking, you know, the screen's jumping around on you, mm-hmm. but you could see secret doors and everything. That, that would be what some of these things could give you. There's a whole couple pages of them. John's trying to look them up right now. And apparently most of them are illegal. Oh, yeah. Also, different environments have different laws. While New Akron's libertarian, almost Canada is very much Canadian. You, you think? It's very Canadian, which means it's also lots of firearms would be frowned upon. Leave them on your airplane. Don't take them out. So when you say it's very Canadian, you mean it's very modern Canadian. Yes. Anson's kingdom is a monarchy. So basically, yeah, oh, firearms? Um, why don't you leave them on, why don't you just lock them up in this case here while you're visiting so you can't actually give them to the, to the serfs? Yes, exactly. They have class slavery called serfdom, yeah. Oh, yeah. New old New York. That's a mouthful. Is basically a, a, d- a democracy. Probably would have different levels of, of legality there for various things. There's always something prohibited by governments for reason, one reason or another. So in every, in every environment, there's got to be at least one book that's going to be burned, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which actually helps people like Butcher Boy Blackwell. It means he can buy something legally on one environment and sell it at black market prices in another environment. Wouldn't it be hard to do that, John? Because it's, all you have to do is search the uh, airplane when it comes in. Yeah, if I was Butcher Boy, I would have planes that can field landings in any big field. So, yeah. so you'd have to hunt them down to be able to search them. Hinterland's flat. So if an airplane's flying 50 miles away and you got a tunnel off a uh, control tower, you can see it. Well, only it's only flat as far as the, the edge of the environs are. An environment itself could be very mountainous. That's true. Depending on the environ, you, you, they may have to have you know, watchtowers in various locations. Unfortunately, I think the other place that probably has the, would have the best would either be New Akron, almost Canada, and probably New Old New York uh, would have probably more watchtowers in various places just to keep uh, watching their skies. And actually, Anson's Kingdom, because he's paranoid about you know, incursions. So they would actually ha- have an air watch. And he has place. air nights. Yeah, so you probably were dealing with air watches, but you know, still people can still slip in, especially in the middle of the night. I mean, yeah, night landing in Hairland is very tricky because there's no stars, no moon; it's pitch black at night. But you know, if you're brave and you and your airplane has to be equipped with uh, radar, go for it. You might you might survive the landing. <laughs> you know, one of those things. Or or if you're lucky, you have people waiting waiting for you on the ground. And they set up landing lights so you can actually make a land- safe landing in a, in a uh, field someplace. Right. Uh, there are black markets, and like I said, the black markets will vary from world from environ to environ. The characters would need to find a job during that first year just to make ends meet. Especially if they say they go to school, either in New Akron or in uh, almost Canada, to learn some new trade. Salvage is a good one because you're going out in the wild, and you're not quite sure who you're going to meet in the wild. You're going to run into the other unique thing that's going to probably drive some people crazy, the animals. And that's animals with a capital A, not animals with a, with a lowercase a. That is intelligent, talking animals. Like Oz animals. Yeah, like Oz animals. Well, I, I got the impression that some animals, like the pigs, can stand up on their hind legs and walk around uh, bipedal. They, they've actually gone through a physical transformation. Others don't. 
my uh, little one shot in the convention, I had the characters run into two bears and a moose. And the moose was the most dangerous of the of the three. Uh, but he didn't talk much. But there was a grizzly bear and a brown bear and Murray the moose. So, so you could have both Pluto and Goofy. When you look at the population numbers for all each environment, that's the human population. That's not the animal population. The animal population could easily double or triple the population numbers for each environ. Most of the animals that actually can be, become intelligent are, the, are mostly small animals. Lovely. But yeah, that may actually freak people out. You know, they're sitting there in New Akron, they sit down, a cat comes up, sits down the chair next to him, turns to him and says, How long have you been here? Are you waiting to go see, see your license? I would think if that was their first encounter, they probably would freak at that point if they'd never seen talking animals before. The whole, I recognize that feminine scream panic anywhere. That would be our very own, yep. It does allow then for folks to come in with animals as characters. You know, either anthropomorphic or non-anthropomorphic versions of, of the animals. So, so it may be a fox, but unfortunately he's a fox. He's not a fox with hands, he's a fox with paws. So that has its own limitations at that point. And depending on the system you're playing, you might be able to get some advantage for that, some uh, benefits for not being able to have like usable paws or usable digits. So, so John, in your idea of a, of a zero-day campaign, outside of the importance of developing relationships with the other players to help drive the action later on, it sounds to me that two major things that you're mentioning as really adventure points are, A, doing salvage and finding great finds out in the wilderness or along the beaches, and B, having run-ins with animals and, and having to interact with them on a level that you may not have ever had to interact with an animal before. And uh, finally, remember, have fun. You're in a new world. There's different mindsets. There's, there's lots of adventure in this world. Always look for that hook. And keep in mind the old adventure movies, all the air adventure style movies that you've ever seen as a, as a kid, or some of the TV shows like Tailspin. There's lots of things in mind for plot ideas in those types of adventures. So until next week... This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. And this is Blix. Remember, bullets speak louder than words. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. license 3.0. No commercial distribution or derivatives are allowed. The TriTech Podcast is wholly owned by TriTech Games. Visit us at www.tritechgamers.com or on Facebook.
Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.